Sunday. A brief but nerdy conversation about yesterday's worship at White Rock United Methodist Church. We talk about what caught our attention, stories we forgot to tell, and ways that we saw the Holy Spirit moving among us. Well, I am neither Rebecca Garrett Pace nor Mitchell Boone, nor sure what happened with our intro video there, but uh, I am Phil Dickey, one of the pastors on staff at White Rock, and uh, Rebecca and Mitchell are both out this week, and so I have the privilege of being joined by the Reverend Keith Boone and Dexter Evans. Good morning, Phil. Morning. Hi, y'all. If y'all don't remember, Keith, so Keith's on staff also with us here at White Rock. He is overseeing our, our pastoral care primarily, as well as our senior adult ministry um, retired clergy from what, 42 years of service? Feels like it. No, 38. Oh, just, just 38 yeah, years. 38. Yeah. In the United Methodist church. So, and then Dexter, many of y'all know is our, our behind the scenes guy. We uh, asked him to be in front of the scenes today as well. He's still doing behind the scenes, but, um, but he's also joining us on the pod because, because today we're talking about worship from yesterday, like we always do. And, and that, that topic was worship. And so, um, ha not having Rebecca or Mitchell, I thought, you know, it'd be a really good chance to have have Dexter on here to, to talk about it from a perspective that's not just clergy, because, you know, sometimes us clergy get caught in our heads and don't always see things the way they really are. We, we get lost of our spirit and truth, right? We get stuck yeah, in the academy. Right there. Yeah, so... Um, so anyway, we we miss Rebecca, miss Mitchell. Um, hope that they're doing well and um, bid them bid them both well. But gentlemen, thanks for joining me this morning. Absolutely, joy. So yesterday we continued on in our series of love local. Uh, you know, first week we looked at First uh, Corinthians, what was it twelve? I think looking at spiritual gifts, and then last week we talked about live and the idea of what does it mean to live together. And we looked at the sermon, uh, not the sermon on the mount, the uh, feeding of five thousand. And then, then yesterday we turned to um, the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter four, and and I know this is more than just the sermon, right? We're going to talk about worship as a whole, and we talked, you know, the bishop joined us for a Sunday sit down one more time, and um, and we had children's time that was really good with Victoria and all these things, but like I just just in general, guys, what did you, what were your your takeaways or thoughts or initial responses to what we had in worship yesterday? Not all at once. Not all at once. Take it, Keith. I thought that you know. I thought the service had uh, 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 good, good flow and good pace. It had it had some energy. It had a lot of things that uh, that make us us. You know. Um, uh, yeah. I just I love the fact that ever the, the the scripture continues to be that common thread uh, through which everything's sort of woven in, um, and so that leaves a lot of a lot to. Uh, uh, at least for a lot of creativity and uh, loved your sermon. I thought that was, you know, a lot, a lot of points you brought up were, were interesting. And um, so, yeah, I thought it was a good service. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll say I really like this series. I like the title of the series. I like the thought of uh, the premise behind all of it. Um, and the, uh, what we're talking about, I think is definitely relevant for us. Um, I think it's relevant for a lot of people. Um, and I think it's super, it's somewhat refreshing to kind of hear some of these stories again, 
and to kind of dive into some of these things and hear it from either it's a new angle that we've not heard before, or it's something that is, we have heard is like, we just kind of forgot about it because we've really been stuck in, we've been stuck in a weird, uh, I'm going to, for lack of words, media cycle of things. Sure. Um, and to, to kind of not really break a break away from this, but to kind of hear a new perspective and point on it really does help. It, it it helps clear our mind a little bit, but it helps us move forward a little bit also. Sure. You know, Keith, you said this idea of scripture kind of being in a tether. I, I don't know if, uh, I think Mitchell picked all these scriptures out, um, you know, weeks ago, months ago. And I don't know if he planned on this idea of like, Hey, we're going to go from feeding the 5,000 and food and hunger to this idea of thirst and water. And I don't know if that was the case or not, but um, I, I, I thought it was a really interesting connection and kind of a, a, a neat way to move through the series with this. And, and yeah, Dex, I think you're right. Like this, the media sector is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. Like it's just a tough place to be right now. And so um, maybe let that lead us into this idea kind of talking about worship. Like, you know, I think a lot of people, well, let me just ask it as a question instead of making assumptions here. When you think of worship, what are what are you like? Why do you guys and Keith, whether that's because you're a clergy and you've had to go for the last thirty eight years, or you know, like, what does worship mean to y'all? And like, why do you continue to be a part of worship other than just it being a job? And if it's just because it's part of your job at this point in life, like that's okay too. I don't want to put anybody on the spot here, but um, you know, like, what what is the the hour on Sunday morning um, look like for you and your understanding of what worship is? And is that too limiting for you? You know, I think that's what Victoria started to get into a little bit in her children's time is, is there something more about worship than just this specific place with specific people at a specific time kind of thing? Yeah. Worship for me right now, because I, I mean, the short answer is it's definitely different. Uh, I listen with about, four different ears in the on a Sunday morning. So mm -hmm. for me to like consume like somebody else would consume on a Sunday morning is completely different um, than just an average person watching at home and whatnot. But it also brings new perspectives and it gives new ideas and thoughts behind things, behind the service and whatnot. Um, but a lot of that, whenever I'm uh, helping compile everything together or help bring the the show run down in some way for each Sunday. It, it It's always interesting to me to see what different elements that we're bringing in and then to be able to see it all come together in one piece is, is for me, it's super helpful from a worship standpoint. Uh, but at the same time, it, it it's reassuring because I know what we're putting out is really good stuff also. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't want to get, you know, too, too, theoretical and yet at the same time that's you know god god should be the object and the subject of our worship not 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 ourselves not us it should be a portal uh, into peering into the, the the nature and the character of god to help remind us of who we are uh, and what we're really to be about in this world and so at times worship should should be challenging and comforting. You know, it's the old adage that the that the purpose of a of a of a, of a good sermon is to uh, comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Um, uh, and so, you know, worship worship should be a way that we encounter uh, uh, the reality of God and what it is that God wants us to be about in this world. Um, 
Uh, and so, so often it becomes a kind of a passive action. You know, we, we, we watch rather than participate. And, um, uh, and so the, the problem is there are a lot of different styles and likes that people have, you know, uh, and I'm not so sure God, I'm, I'm sure God's not all wrapped up in that. Right. Yeah. Like, like the traditional versus contemporary and the yeah, online. Singing, yeah. You sang the wrong hymn. That's, right. That's the wrong hymn. That's, that's not, you know, and yet, uh, <laughs> you know, I'll say, I'll say this. I have, I said this to congregations when I, when I find us in those kind of worship wars, basically, <laughs> you know, that, that we That's a new, a new show on Discovery Channel, Worship Wars. Worship Wars. You can't worship the way you worship. That's idolatry. Mm. If you mm -hmm. work, if you worship the way you worship, uh, if you make that more important than the one who is worthy of our worship, then you've you've you sort of ruined the worship experience. Yeah. I you know I have to have it this way. You know you got to give it to me this way. Um, and so, you know, and I'm going to stop here in a minute. I, I, you, when I was designing worship, I never stuck with one um, affirmation of faith. I just didn't do it. I would. We have about seven or eight in the in the Methodist hymnal, and I had a guy write me every time that we didn't use the Apostles' Creed. I don't like using any creed but the apostles the true creed of the church you know and uh then i got a note one day from somebody who said you know hand wrote out a note and gave it to me after the service thank you for this creed today i saw god in a new light that i'd never thought of before and so the next time he wrote something to me i handed that note to him <laughs> and I, this is why i do it you know, we have we don't have one creed that contains God because you can't contain God. We have seven creeds that attempt to draw us closer to the reality of God. And he still didn't like it, but he stopped. He stopped writing me a note. You know, sure. I, I, I get it. I struggle with the creeds in general for a lot of reasons, partially because I don't think that they're actually especially the Apostles Creed. I don't feel like it does. It doesn't. It's not true to the, the robustness of Trinitarian theology, in my opinion, which, you know, we could have a little conversation about that at another time. But um, I actually really love the, uh, what is it, United Church of Canada's creed that's in our, our book, our hymnal, um, yeah. is one of my favorites. And I, anytime I used to lead worship, I would always try to switch it up to, to do that. And people would be like, what is, what is this? I've never heard this before. But, you know, it's like you're saying, like there's just, there's variety there. And to think that we have to be monolithic in the way that we're all going to worship together is so, it's just so narrow, right? And it's, it's back to putting God kind of in a box. And, you know, I think the the tricky thing for us is people who, who lead in churches is, you know, if we're really, if we're going to say things like that, we have to also recognize that even this idea of being on Sunday morning at 1050 or 11 or whatever time you have worship, you know, um, and that that's the one time we're going to gather to be in worship or, um, and that we're all going to do it together. This like, I used to be really on board and I think I still am, but I'm not entirely sure I need to rethink it, but there's something powerful about saying this is the time that we're going to stream worship, even if it is online, right? It's going to be this one time. And like all of our services are, you know, we're, they're available on YouTube and they're available on, um, 
Facebook and such afterwards. But like, as far as like counting numbers of who worshiped with us, Mm -hmm. we always say, we're going to just look at this one hour time when we're together for worship and say, these are our numbers because there's something powerful still about like, even though we're not in person here gathered together, there is still something powerful about having a, a unified worship experience at the same time. Um, and, and even though we can't share space, we can still share time. And like, you know, let's, we can go all quantum physics about the, the space time continuum and how that all ties together and all these kind of things. But, but I'm, I'm, it, this is really forcing me, this, this pandemic is forcing me to realize that like people can still have the same experience that we're having. It just may be 30 minutes later, or it may be an hour later, or maybe four days later, and they can still share in that same experience. And, and I need to recognize like, that's just as valid an experience as ever, as, as it is whenever it happened live at, on Sunday morning at, you know, 1050 or whatever. Right. Right. Also, yeah, I, I don't know what's happening on our YouTube channel right now, but don't worry about it. Just okay. let it, let it happen. <laughs> if you're on YouTube, sorry that you've been welcomed multiple times, but right. we're, we're yeah. really glad you're here. I keep rolling in loop form <laughs> for some odd reason. Um, no, anyway, yeah. so I think yeah. that's tricky though, right? Like it's, it's hard cause it's one of those things where we've always done it this way, you know? Right. And, and there's easy to get trapped in that. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought the, the, the good invitation from Victoria's children time and even, even that, right? Like Dex, you were talking about having four different sets of ears every Sunday morning when we do worship, like, right. There are times where I feel like a Sunday morning worship service is like actual worshipful for me, but many times it's not right. Like, right. especially if I'm preaching or if I'm like, I'm figuring out like our, am I ready to go? Like, what do I need to do next? Like there's, it's more of a choreography as opposed to like, this feels really worshipful at this point. Um, so I had to go back and re-listen to some of the stuff from yesterday and, and, um, you know, that's like, that's hard too. Right. So then like it forces me though, if I want to be involved in worship to figure out how do I get outside of this box of, of just Sunday morning and find things that are worshipful for me. And I think that's the purpose of this series, right? Like we're, we're going to continue to have worship on Sunday mornings and, you know, even if we did worship on Sunday night, like that's not the point. The point is, is that beyond that 160, you know, the other 167 hours of the week where we're not joined together for this one corporate worship experience, we still believe there's this aspect of, of having a life that's worshipful. And I think that's what the idea of what does it mean to worship in spirit and truth really get at, right? Like I said, this idea of transcend and include, it, it includes the Sunday morning worship experience that we do together, but it has to transcend that too. It has to become more of a lifestyle choice as opposed to just, here's your one week of worship. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. so, you know, like Vic talked about like journaling and um, her pillow that she had for, uh, for meditation and stuff. Like what are there, are there things y'all do that you would, would call worshipful on a, on a daily basis, weekly basis, whatever the case may be. Yeah. For a, uh, uh... I have a personality type where meditation's not really like the forefront in my mind all sure. the time. Um, and I think it manifests in different, different ways for sure. Uh, but it really is it, for me, it's, it's kind of stopping and looking around every once in a while and capturing the moment of what's happening around me at that time and being present in some way. Um, and that's a really difficult thing for me to do because I, I'm definitely a forward thinker. Uh, I'm constantly looking at what the next step is and what what's going to happen next after that. And it's 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 really difficult for me to capture that. And it's really finding those small moments of just standing outside and listening to the wind blow in the trees or looking at the clouds kind of float past by. I mean, it's, it's nothing, nothing much. And it's actually a lot of it manifest in videos, too, that are somewhat calming and relaxing for me also. 
you know, uh, I hadn't really thought of it before, but I, I try to, and I don't do it every day, I, I, I should, is um, I, I have a saltwater aquarium that I, that I love to keep. And um, there are times that I just pull a ottoman up to it and just, it's not about doing anything, it's about being. And it's about just looking into the tank and observing, um, even though it's the same tank and the same fish and the same corals and everything else. It's not exactly the same as it was the last time I looked at it, you know, it's kind of like a river or a stream. Uh, and so just uh, being curious uh, because the truth is that uh, the tank is alive. It's alive. Um, I mean, there are new things that are growing in my tank that I didn't put in there. And that's kind of weird to me. And I'll miss it if I'm not looking for it. Um, and I think worship's a lot like that. I'm not saying I worship my tank, but I'm awed at God's creativity. We believe in one of those creeds said we believe in God who has created and is creating. And I, you know, we're not deists. Right. God wound up this clock and then just let it be. You know, and it's just ticking away uh, an abstract God or a God who is far removed. What Bette Midler song from a distance, you know, classic. Yes, God is wholly mysterious and beyond us, but God is very much in the who ruach, you know, breath. God is as close as our breath, too. So it's not either or, it's sort of both and. And so worship can happen. Man, you can, you know, if you're wild uh, or curious, that that may be an invitation to worship. Mm. You know, I love that Curio- yeah, curiosity being an invitation to worship is a really good one. Like when you just said curious a minute ago, I thought like, what a great introduction to worship. You know, like this this sense of how curiosity leads us into mystery. You know, God does that, you know, the, the, the bush that burns and yet is not consumed. Right. How, how else was God going to get, you know, the attention of Moses? I mean, I'd get my attention, you know. Right. I'd love to have pinion wood that burns but is not consumed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could just throw a log on it. Totally. You know, yeah. going forever. But Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Well, so, you know, you, you just talked about water, Keith. Um, yeah. I, I said it in my sermon, but I, I really do. For whatever reason, do you, <laughs> this is so terrible. You all remember the movie Waterworld? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Is Kevin Costner in it? Yes, I remember. <laughs> I feel like it always got criticized for being like a terrible movie. It is. It's a horrible movie. I loved it. Like growing up, I absolutely loved it. And I always thought like, I could live there. Like I could totally do that. It's kind of on the same playing level as uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. No, it I is mean, not. Yeah. It's I not can't. the same. It is not the a, same from a production standpoint. Yes, <laughs> I never actually saw that movie, but one of our Very friends, good. I know it's his favorite movie, and we always criticize him. So I just don't want to be in that same category. I don't know. I just I remember the watching that movie as a kid and thinking like, if this is what the world comes to, I could be okay with that. Like I could I could live on the water all the time. I think it'd be amazing. Now the whole like, well, we won't go to that. Never mind. Um, but Trump. but there is just something to me. Do I? Noah. Just like that. Just like no. 
Yeah, yeah I guess that's true. That didn't really work out terribly well, did it, yeah. for the rest of creation. Yeah. Um, but there is just this sense of water, though, you know? Like, and, and Keith, you mentioned, like, your um, your, your, your fish tank, you know? Like, there's just, to me, there's something about water that I love so much. And, and again, it's more than just being able to drink it. Um, exactly. Pro, pro water world. That's it. Um, but there's a theology of water there too, you know, oh, yeah. that runs throughout scripture. Oh yeah. All the way back from like the original creation story in Genesis one and this, like the, the separation between water from water and um, in, in Hebrew culture, water like represented this idea of chaos, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah. At the same time, there's this sense of like the water also represents life, you know, like without water, we don't live. And um, so there's a, there's a lot to wrestle with when it comes to water. Like Keith, you're saying, oh yeah, do you have a, you have thoughts on the idea of the theology of water? Yeah, but we don't, we don't have a whole lot of time. I think a water hermeneutic is, is really fascinating and interesting. You know, whether you do it from a, from a Jewish perspective uh, or a Christian perspective or, Judeo-Christian, you know, uh, the whole act of cleansing, uh, of being made clean, of yes. what baptism really is about. It's also, uh, you know, a renewal, uh, a way of becoming that which God created us to be, you know, all that wound up, you know, all, and it's not just the baptismal act, you know, Jesus said, you know, uh, do, uh, well, Paul talks about being baptized into Christ, you know, um, and what what all that means. So, yeah, there's a, there are a lot of things uh, about about water that are that are appealing and, and a great metaphor for our lives. Um, just the three ways we baptize: to sprinkle, to pour, or to immerse. Mm -hmm. you know, we don't say you have to do one or the other. We have a preference. Yeah as United Methodists believing in sprinkling, you know, but uh, immersion too is a beautiful, you know, metaphor for dying and rising in Christ, um, having the Holy Spirit poured out upon us. Right. And so I like the freedom uh, of being able to, to use any of those uh, metaphors, you know, uh, and then in a, then a, I'm talking too much. Uh, I, I love the fact when I was a pastor in, in one church, we <clears throat> we used the hermeneutic of when you go out on mission, whether it's individual, but mostly in small trips to bring back a small portion of water, hmm. water bottle and give it, give it to me. And I would add that to our water stash, so to speak, it would be commingled together. So our baptismal water that we used uh, on Sundays was uh, came from so different sources. Hmm. It wasn't just the source of you know the rock wall tap water, you know, but it had sprinkled in it or added to it places we had been on mission as a church. So there was a hermeneutic of trying to say the whole world, um, you're we're being baptized by waters from around the world, even the Holy Land. You know, Jordan water sure. in there too. You know, but. I was about to ask, did you have any of that overpriced Jordan water from? No, it wasn't overpriced because I always brought my own back. Well, there you go. That's what do it. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you have to really label the bottle well. Right, right. Don't drink this. Don't drink this. Definitely uh, 
not potable. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it, you did that in Israel, right? You you got the the dunk in Israel, didn't you? Yeah, really? I actually was dunking people. Yeah, yeah we, right, we yeah. got it, and we were doing a reaffirmation of baptisms in the Jordan River, which was real cold, oh, but also right. really awesome. Oh, it's a really it's cold. cold. It takes your breath away. Yeah, which is yeah. a great another great metaphor. You know, shouldn't baptism take our breath away? Yeah, you know. Um, so yeah, As, it, it, I'm going to talk about that for a hot second. That was. I think there's a lot of power in what we saw um, when we were in Israel and the fact that we were on one side and on the other side was this like restrictive zone. It's crazy to think that this body of water was separating so much uh, influence and political mayhem in a way. Mm -hmm. you're, You're exposing yourself to something that's been around what some people would say since the beginning of time and whatnot. Mm hmm. Yeah, if you've never been, Dexter's talking about um, in in Israel, you can go and there's a couple of different baptism sites. They all claim to be the original one, but you okay. know, we'll, yeah. we'll get we won't talk about that either. But you, the one that we went to, where you would stand there and then you look across the the river, and it's what I don't know, 10, 12 feet across the river. It's not real far. No, it's not far. Um, and on the Jordanian side, there's definitely well, I think on the Israeli side too. There's you know, there's everybody's there armed guards. You know, like you right. like fully armed guards there and. It, it does make it really interesting to to experience something that's such a holy experience of reaffirmation of baptism and be dunked and um, have this experience in Jordan River and then recognize that like you're surrounded by guys with automatic weapons. You know, it's just it's very strange. And you drove through a minefield, an active minefield to get there in Israel. You know, like those are all really weird things to that the paradox that lives within you and all of those is very complicated. Yeah, Actually, finding peace in that craziness is just is, is really unique in a way. I actually, I almost went that direction with the the sermon, talking about water specifically in Israel because there's a big there's a big shortage of water, and the the Dead Sea is actually drying up because primarily on the Israel side they're they're using way more of the water from the Jordan River that comes down from the Sea of Galilee, and so the Dead Sea is constantly drying up at a pace that's not uh, sustainable, mm-hmm. and so. They've actually talked about rather than switching their their practices in Israel and being more sustainable in the water usage, um, piping water from the Red Sea up to the Dead Sea to try to, to because there's a lot of money to be made at the Dead Sea, right? Like there's a lot of money there with people going and staying at resorts and stuff, and so it's got they got to keep water in there. Um, the other thing about it is, uh, Israel controls all the water from the Jordan, and so if you live in a Palestinian territory in the West Bank, there then they control how much water you get. And so I was going to do this whole sermon on like the the influence of water there, but it, I had the realization it doesn't tie to uh, worship in the same way. And as much as I really wanted to go that direction, because there's a lot of, there's a lot to talk about, about that around justice yeah. and issues of oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. water, um, you know, water wells being another one, right. That, 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 I think it cost almost a million dollars to keep a, a soldier in Afghanistan, and it cost about four thousand to d- drill a water well. And uh, I actually I heard Rick Steves a couple years ago, and he said, "Imagine if we started transitioning from hard power with with soldiers to soft power of drilling wells in places like you know rural Afghanistan, mm-hmm. and what the perception would be of the United States from a lot of these rural places in Afghanistan, as opposed to this this heavy handed force in our country to the people that provide us with water." It's like, oh, and then like, you know, it, it's, it's no, the, the woman's the one who's at the well, right? And who are the people that typically in rural communities that don't have sources of water? Who are the ones that go get the water? 
typically the women, right? And often children go with them because they can't just leave them at home. And so the reason a lot of kids don't get education is because they're traveling back and forth to water to go get water sources. So like, I don't, you're getting a peek into the mind of where I really wanted to go a lot with this sermon. I actually had to cut my sermon like three times because it was like three different sermons. And I was like, I gotta, gotta focus here, people. But, but yeah, there, again, there's just so much to do with water, both in the in the past and in the history and in the scriptures, but like the modern world, water still dictates so many things. Right. Right. Oh, and John's gospel does that. You know, we don't say that Jesus is living water, but he is. I mean, he, it's not an I am statement, but it came close to it because he talked about, you know, if you drink from this water again, you're going to get thirsty again. But if you drink from the water that gushes up from, you know, from eternal life, you don't, you don't have to keep drinking that. What does that mean? Right. You know, what, what is that even about? I mean, what are you even talking about? You know, and she was confused. And, you know, then she thought they were talking about the difference between worship on Mount Gerizim and worship on Mount uh, Zion, you know. Uh, so, yeah, there's, I mean, yeah, water, water everywhere. Right. Right. Yeah. Just like Waterworld. Yeah, <laughs> like Waterworld. <laughs> we ought to do a, a, a movie series sometime and, and on, a, on a podcast and just talk about our favorite movies. Our favorite movies? There you go. Yeah, yeah. I'm for it. You think you think we would eventually start to develop gills again? Like we would, evolution would take us there if we were living in our world. Yeah, hot sure. topics. Hot takes will happen in two years from Phil. Yeah. <laughs> oh, y'all, we're this is gonna go down a dangerous road here. Uh, y'all, thanks for joining me this morning. I appreciate you, everybody who's joining us on on Facebook or or on YouTube. Thanks for joining us as well. We appreciate your comments and being a part of the conversation. Uh, we'll continue this this series, right? Love Local is going to continue next week. Um, we're going to talk about serve, and uh, I think Josh, right? Josh Spars is up to preach for us. So for all of you uh, who know Josh, and I don't think he's preached for a little while at White Rock, so excited to have him back in the pulpit and to have him in with with us in worship. So um, check that out. We have a Bible study on Wednesday as well. We'll be t- we'll be talking about the scripture he'll be preaching on, which I actually don't have off the top of my head, so I don't know what that is, but. Um, Lorna, thank you. I, I love God's gift of water too. It's a, it's a good one. So yeah. uh, final, final thoughts, Dexter, Keith, closing remarks. Uh, for everybody listening, don't, don't watch Waterworld. <laughs> That's my final thought. You could, you, you could spend three hours in a way better way than watching Waterworld. Yeah, I think probably watch uh, Finding Nemo. If you, want, actually, if you want a good Kevin Costner, watch the film Open Range. I absolutely love that. It's an underrated film of his. Open range. Huh? It has Robert Duvall in it also. It's it's really good. It's about two uh, cattle farmers that raise cattle on open lands. Um, and then people are trying to buy lands and capitalize over everything. So good stuff. Do you ever notice that a lot of his movies are actually very similar? Like oh, it's yes. him in some vapid space. Like The only offshoot, I mean, the two offshoots is he did uh, the Jack Ryan film. and uh, He did? Yeah. It was what uh, Chris, uh, Chris Pine did Jack Ryan one time post Harrison Ford and he did Mr. Brooks, which was a really odd one. He played a serial killer in that one. See, Dexter has all the hot takes. Steadfast. This is getting way out of tune here. Uh, Steadfast that Kevin Costner is one of the best Americana actor, director, writers that we've had in the past half century. So you take Tatanka. Tatanka. That's what I'll always remember Kevin Costner as. Right. Last the Mohicans. That's it. All right, y'all. Have a great day. Have a great week. We'll see y'all soon. Bye.
You're listening to a podcast recorded at White Rock United Methodist Church in the heart of East Dallas. For more information, you can find us at wrumc.org. And make sure you stay subscribed to this channel to stay up to date with all of our content.